0: Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at
3: tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
4: Hey, this is Bridget. And this is Emily. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. I have a little bit of a personal gripe that this episode is based on, which is that I bought what I thought was a beautiful, beautiful skirt. I couldn't wait to try it on. It was pretty expensive, more money than I usually drop on an outfit. I get it home, and it has those damn decorative pockets that aren't even really real pockets. Were they like the ones that are sewed shut? They or were the just, like, that not even a real pocket. They give you a little dip, and it's not. you can't put anything in there. Oh. So they're just for fashion. They're just decorative. Decorative pockets. Decorative pockets, because God forbid I have anything to carry, a phone, uh-huh. a pencil, whatever. <laughs> and it got me thinking, where the f*** are the pockets on women's clothing? What is going on?
5: <laughs> where do they go? Where do they go? Mm-hmm. And on the other side, I'm the kind of person who, if I'm in the fitting room trying on a dress, especially formal dresses. I found this in more formal gowns, especially. And I'm on the fence about it. it looks good, fits good, fabric's cool, okay, I kind of like it. And then I, I realize, as my hands go down the, the sort of waist of the gown itself, oh my god, there are pockets in this dress instantly sold. Pockets are such a game-changer. It's a total... Apparel game changer decision making, like absolutely going from the maybe category to the hell yeah I'm bringing that home category.
4: I don't feel like we're exaggerating the <laughs> the extreme pleasure that pockets <laughs> on garments, real pockets, functional pockets, give us.
5: It's true. It's and, true. And We're backpack loving women. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're without a good satchel on occasion. I'm not really a purse toter as much anymore since I discovered the love of of a good formal backpack which you,
4: you enlightened me on that (laughs) got to, so as a little plug for if you are a sporty gal, get yourself a a polished backpack a a work backpack, yeah, a formal backpack Exactly. I'm in love, so first of all I get it, yes, this is totally, totally a first world problem you might be thinking, you know Bridget, of all the things going on in the world right now, pockets, really (laughs) but listen to this Fashion is actually political, right? Mm -hmm. Like most things in this day and age, it's not just fashion. It's not just a skirt. It's not just a pocket. It's actually political. And like many things, it does raise, I think, some interesting points about gender.
5: Absolutely. And if you look at the consumer data, if you really think about the economics of fashion and apparel... Women are the ones making those decisions in the fitting rooms more than men, quite frankly. Women are the biggest spenders when it comes to fashion. Women of every age group consistently outspend their male counterparts on apparel, according to the Sage Business Researcher back in 2015. The average annual expenditures when it comes to how much you're spending money on clothing peaked for both groups in the 35 to 44 age range. Ooh, so I have more spending ahead, don't I? Yes, you do. Oh, uh, women, I'm about to be shopping. Shopping Women more. be be <laughs> Yes. <laughs> With women spending 1581 so $1,581 a year, and men spending 961 Those are kind of big
4: numbers. Those are kind of big numbers. So women, women be shopping. We, we're the biggest consumers when it comes to fashion. We spend the most money. And that's why I think it's so frustrating that these retailers are still not giving us products that fit for our lives and are functional for our bodies. I think you see that in a whole different way when it comes to plus size women and the clothing options that are available to them, but... Even something as small as pockets, I think, really demonstrates how this industry that is dominated by women consumers and should be giving us things that fit our lives and our needs is just really failing.
5: Well, it's it's that fashion over function form, right? It's this decision that someone is making that I think it's important for us that our clothes are fashionable. I think consumers care about fashion. But somebody is saying fashion is more important than
4: function, well, actually, Emily, a lot of experts out there would agree with you. One reason why people say that there are so few pockets of women's clothing is because mid-range fashion, that's stuff like you and I are probably wearing a lot of, you know, your Gaps and your J Cruz. Those are actually dominated by male designers. And male huh. designers are much more concerned with things like fit and drape than functionality. Over at The Atlantic, they interviewed Camilla Olson, who is a creative director of a high-tech fashion firm. And she says that there's inherent sexism within the industry that keeps things like pockets and other functional garments being standard in women's clothing. She goes on to say, honestly, I believe the fashion industry is not helping women advance. And the lack of functional design for women is one example. We women know that clearly we need pockets to carry technology. And I think it's expected that we were going to carry a purse. When we're working, we don't carry purses around. A pocket is a reasonable thing. And so I think it's interesting how she makes this point that because of the heavy male-dominated fashion industry, women aren't getting clothing that is actually functional for us to live our lives.
5: That's so sad. It seems like such a missed opportunity. And yet again, if you look at every industry, once you get to the top ranks, like the director ranks of pretty much every industry, you start to see women become fewer and farther between. And even though there are some notable exceptions, I think Jenna Lyons was a really noteworthy, uh, creative director who put J. Crew on the map, quite frankly, in the aughts, <laughs> right? Um, it's so true that even in the female dominated spaces like retail, when you look at the creative directors who are wielding the most power, making the biggest decisions that influence the direction of design, they're still predominantly male. Yeah. What it's, a mismatch between the audience that you're trying to serve and the decision makers. Because how could an industry that purports
4: to serve women have so few women at the at the highest highest levels and get it so wrong when it comes to giving us things that we actually can use?
5: I don't know, but it's, I think it's yet another case for why diversity and leadership is actually good for business. Definitely. Do you wear a lot of J. Crew? I don't own a single piece of J. Crew.
4: Here's my beef with J. Crew. I used to love J. Crew mm-hmm. when it was cool, functional things that fit. Now I feel like I go in there and everything is like embellished and I'm like, how do I wash this? It'll be like a shirt that has Bedazzled stuff on it, and I'm like, wow, how do I wash this? It's my first <laughs> thought whenever I pick up something from Anthropology or J Crew these days. Yeah, it's no like, it either, though. yeah, it, you were not missing anything other than <laughs> having clothes that are dirty forever <gasps> well, in your closet because you can't wash them.
5: I, I seem to recall uh, a Febreze conversation we've had on the oh, air.
4: There was a Febreze <laughs> conversation, and I'm sure that was a J.
5: Crew uh, garment in no, question. So let's get this straight. Bridget doesn't wash her hoodies. She Febrezes her hoodies and her jeans, she doesn't wash her jeans, and now all of your other garments from anthropology and Basically, Acre. I'm not doing any laundry.
4: <laughs> what good. You're like, I'm piecing together.
5: You're just not washing yeah, anything. Nothing's nothing getting washed. I approve I that message. <laughs> a I'm busy n- girl. I know. You know what I think I just thought of as we were planning for this episode? It didn't come up, but I'm going to sound like a walking, talking ad for one of our sponsors right now, but how is the rental clothing industry changing this? Because, I mean, I looked at that number, $1,500 expenditure a year, and I'm like... Get on that La Tote bandwagon, yeah. right? Like, Where to be that- clear, she, the La Tote sponsors our podcast, and I'm also... Yeah, head- where'd you get that jacket, Emily? <laughs> I'm head-to-toe in La Tote right now. But between Rent the Runway and La Tote and subscription rental services like that... You never I- have to do laundry again. I- well, not even that, I don't... Yes, because you can send your clothes back dirty, which is part of the perk. And furthermore, I don't spend on... Bu- I don't buy clothes anymore. I just rent. I love it. Yeah, it's like Netflix for clothes. Yes. I like it. Anyway, so that's why I haven't stepped foot in an anthropology in a decade.
4: At a certain point, I wonder if it's sort of we're going culturally, we're going less toward owning and more toward renting things. Like, you know, why have a car when you can use Lyft? Why, yeah. you know, it's just, it seems like that like we're heading toward that as a culture in some weird way. The sharing
5: economy, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a net positive for the environmental impact of clothing. Do you think people throw out tons of clothes all the time? Because this is like upcycling. Oh, yeah.
4: Well, actually, Emily, the average American tosses out 82 pounds of textile waste each year, which adds up to 11 million tons from
5: just our country, just from America. That's a lot of clothing being thrown out. Wow. So I just, I I think the sharing economy can sort of be part and parcel with this minimalist movement. And I, I wonder how that'll impact the way that designers are making clothing design decisions i hope we'll see more pockets maybe i can have a small influence by just renting things with pockets like yeah. it's very cool you're doing jacket. your part you're doing your part <laughs> for pocket equality i know i wish i could show y'all the, the jacket i'm wearing right now it's got I, some deep pockets it's got deep pockets and it's super chic and functional and by the way it's reversible ooh yeah okay I wanna, I wanna i'm a inside. walking ad <laughs> i'm such a i'm like come on sponsors give us more oh money. my god you know look who you look like right is. now
4: the, you ever watch the Fresh Prince, how he turns his jacket inside out, his <laughs> uniform jacket? That's exactly what's happening right now. Wow.
5: It's got like a leather shoulder decal and now on the inside feels like this nice I little like it. pad, like shoulder pad. It's cute, right?
4: This is now a jacket-centric podcast. So. Sorry.
5: <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? We can't see. We'll post a Get picture. We'll post a picture. We'll post Ooh, a picture. Okay, good. I'm ready.
4: So it's interesting that you say that this minimalist sort of sharing economy, um cultural thing might be influencing our fashion. Another thing that has really been influential on whether or not garments have pockets is technology. Mm. So back when the iPhone 6 came out, you might remember it's pretty pretty large, and most men's garments actually had pockets where you could put your iPhone in, but women's garments really didn't. And so when the iPhone came out, the new big one, a lot of people were like, yeah, like I can't put this in my pocket. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to carry it in my hand or put it in my bag (laughs) or whatever. And actually Mashable talked to... Five different fashion brands, Levi's, LL Bean, J. Crew, American Eagle, and Lee, to ask them if this new iPhone was going to have them adding bigger pockets to their women's garments. Most of them gave some kind of variation of, maybe, we'll see, but for the most part, the answer was no. Mm,
5: I wonder if they did though, because I am a gap jean loyalist, because once I found a pair of jeans that actually fit my body, I was like, okay, I'm done shopping around, because this is hard. But I've split a few pairs. Of pockets, like jeans in my time, because I do have the giant yeah. phone. I have the giant plus, the six plus. And the back, the front pocket is the non starter, right? Obviously. So you're not, it's not going in there. Not going in there. But I had a hole appear because I was shoving my giant phone in my butt pocket. What? And it definitely was not fitting, but I like forced it. <laughs> oh, don't force it. Touche. <laughs> I, uh, I have since found that the jeans, as of late, the ones I've bought in the last maybe three or four years, have worked fine.
4: I really do feel like putting an iPhone in your back pocket is a recipe for it falling into the toilet in a public oh, restroom, yeah. so I'm,
5: I'm I'm very skeptical
4: Look, about putting anything back there. Your case is gigantic. Yeah, I actually have the smaller version of the iPhone, but my huge, <laughs> ostentatious phone case <laughs> makes it impossible to put in any kind of any pocket, pocket whatsoever. Yeah. No, it's not happening. Okay. Not happening but at what, all. But what would
5: you say is in your pockets, on average? Like, the functional garments with pockets, like, what might you find in a Bridget Todd pocket? Well, I've actually kind of trained myself to not carry a lot of stuff if I don't have my backpack on me so usually like
4: I'll do debit card ID chapstick keys yeah. like I'm, I'm oh headphones I'm, da- I'm down to just five staples <laughs> I, I, I travel light yeah lighter.
5: and headphones like the, the earbuds can fit into the front pocket yeah, yeah that's good I'm a chapstick person too One of the things I
4: think is kind of interesting is how the ability of men to be able to carry things like cell phones and women not really having that option for their pockets might play out in the workplace. The article that I just referenced from The Atlantic makes this point pretty succinctly. They say a man can simply swipe up his keys and an iPhone on the way to a rendezvous with his coworkers and slip them back into his pocket. A woman on the way to that same meeting has to either carry those items in her hand or bring a whole purse with her, a definitive silent sign that she is a woman."
5: So what you're basically saying is that there's this added visual acknowledgement of gender differences, which we actually know if you look at the research on, uh, there's, some interesting research that's been done on perfumes, Hmm. perfumes that are especially feminine that sort of just provide a little sensory reminder of your womanhood can backfire in interviews. Interesting. Yeah. So So
4: even though it seems really small, like a tiny detail, it can Mm -hmm. still sort of come up in ways that you maybe don't
5: expect? Well, it sort of gives you this impression, oh, she's a girly girl. Or the purse can be like, what kind of purse is it? Is she a kind of woman who has a nice purse that she takes care of or, like me, trashes every purse she's ever owned because I can't seem to keep any of my belongings in nice shape. And what does that say about her? It's just another way for people to judge you. Interesting. This is
4: kind of a random anecdote, but I have a friend who is a military wife, and one of the things that she says, of all the sort of hurtful, ridiculous stereotypes about military wives, one of them that I found the most curious was... If she owns a Coach bag, that mean like that the stereotype is that means something about what kind of military spouse that she is, which I
5: found very unusual, like such a specific thing. Oh, because it plays into the fact that like military wives are just leeches on right. the benefits of like the government. Service exactly. And so yeah. yeah,
4: so they say like if a woman has a Coach bag and she's trying to you know when she's a military spouse, that means that she's yada 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 some hmm. some negative stereotype there. So it's interesting how these markers of femininity. Even though they seem quite small or quite, you know, like they're not big deals, actually, people can use them to make unfair assumptions about what kind of person you
5: are. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I also, on the flip side, have bonded with many a strong, powerful, influential woman over purses. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like in our own company here. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, is this someone you're thinking of? <laughs> well, there's a certain someone in the higher, highest ranks of leadership at How Stuff Works. Who is a boss lady. First of all, shout out to the fact that we've got women running things. Running things at how stuff works. One of whom is like intimidatingly powerful and awesome. And I met her in a very formal boardroom-like setting when I was just interviewing for this particular job. And I'm trying my best to be impressive and articulate and also humble and courteous and respectful all at the same time. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty formal exchange until we met up again later in a less formal setting at the bar. And my ostentatious turquoise purse became the thing we bonded over. And now I'm like, oh, I'm in. We got this. We got this relationship on lack. And look at where we are now. Yeah, it seems like it worked out well. (laughs) It did work out well. So it's just an interesting thing how in a male-dominated space, your purse might be something that holds you back but when you're when we have more women in leadership maybe purses can like you and I've bonded over backpacks yeah. maybe purses can actually be a way to bond with one another. Well, it's interesting that you bring up purses because
4: the history of the handbag actually has a lot to do with why the pockets on women's garments tend to be so sucky. And let's dive into that after this quick break.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. And
4: we're back. Now, I know that I've been complaining about pockets today, and maybe you've been complaining about the pockets on your garment, but women have actually been complaining about the lack of pockets on their clothing for kind of a long time. Back in 1905, Charlotte P. Gilman wrote... One supremacy there is in men's clothing is adaptation to pockets. She wrote this in the New York Times. She continues to say, Women have, from time to time, carried bags, sometimes sewn in, sometimes tied on, sometimes brandished in the hand. But a bag is not a pocket. And she is 100% right. Absolutely.
5: In 1954, Christian Dior was quoted in The Spectator as saying, Men have pockets to keep things in. Women for decoration. Mm, Because God
4: forbid I have an important thing to keep on my person. Well,
5: it's just like, it kind of reminds me of the biking episode, in which it is a very systematic discrepancy between it being socially acceptable for you to actually have the freedom that comes with riding a bike versus women who ride bikes seem like, oh, they could be up to anything.
4: Well, you actually see a lot of that same idea playing out when it comes to the history of pockets and women. Totally.
5: Back in the medieval era, most women had little bags or sort of satchels or purses tied around the waist that eventually folks began sort of hiding their bags under petticoats, which was a discreet way to say, I have things, right? I'm a woman who owns stuff and might, you know, have whatever I damn well please in my pockets, but I wouldn't ever brandish those pockets basically in public, visible to all. That would make me a radical woman. And in the late 17th century, even when pockets became much more commonplace and sewed into men's clothing, women did not have built-in pockets because that would have been taboo. So they continued to have these sort of tied-on versions until the French Revolution really changed the game when wide skirts were out, uh, out with a uh, let-them-eat-cake style of the French Revolution. And what became much more in vogue were skirts closer to the body, sort of less flamboyant, really. So there was less room for pockets, so that whole pocket conversation became null and void for women who continued to carry... The reticule, a small decorative purse, instead of, God forbid, they should go out in public with pockets because they would be outing themselves as a woman with things, maybe having things of her own. God, heaven forbid you have to carry things and be a woman. What I love is that in the
4: 1800s, the Rational Dress Society began pushing for women to abandon the stiffness of corsets for looser clothes that had lots and lots of pockets. Radical. Uh, Radical. Can you imagine? (laughs) Founded in 1891, the Rational Dress Society called for women to dress for health, ditching corsets in favor of boneless stays and bloomers, wearing loose trousers and adopting clothing that allowed for movement, especially bicycling. Mm. So it is connected. It is. It's very much connected. It's very much connected. An 1899 New York Times piece made this really, really funny, maybe sort of tongue-in-cheek claim that civilization itself is actually founded on pockets. They write, as we became more civilized, we need more pockets. No pocketless people have ever been great since pockets were invented, and the female sex cannot rival us while it is pocketless.
5: So basically, this was like a very overt and clearly insecure male person saying, um, you know, let's keep women out of power. Let's not allow them to have pockets.
4: I've often, and this is not a research point, it's just my own opinion, I've often thought that heels were the same way, right? Oh, that definitely. while women are tottering around on heels, we'll keep them...
5: Well, men used to wear heels all the time during oh, the um, American Revolution, right? So if you think about it, men ditched heels, mm. they kicked off the heels, and women's heels got... Collar.
4: I almost wonder if the men were like, "Hey, we're having trouble getting from point A to point B on these heels. This is dumb. Let's wear regular <laughs> shoes and then pressure women into wearing heels." Keep
5: that I think that's the next episode, yeah. right? I think we have to do a heels <gasps> a episode. Series on oh, how attire.
4: How, how attire got gendered. Oh yeah, because think about it. Like, did you know that for button-up shirts, men's buttons are on one side and women's buttons are on the other? Like, what?
5: there are so many weird little particulars about gendered clothing that. <gasps> have these fascinating histories. Oh my gosh. Let's do more on that. I love that. So, just bringing it back to pockets for a second, this idea of pockets for women was a total game changer for gun-toting, bike-riding women, which I thought was amazing. Back in 1895, one designer of women's bicycle costumes, which were what they were called at the time, the things that these... Daring women who biked might actually wear, even included pockets for pistols. Quote, not all of them want to carry a revolver, said the anonymous tailor quoted by the New York Times at the time, but a large percentage do and make no bones about saying so. Even when they do not tell me why they want the pocket, they often betray their purpose by asking to have it lined with duck or leather. So basically, this tailor is like sewing in duck-lined pockets for these women on bicycles, to carry their (laughs) handguns with them. And you've got I mean, you've got to hand it to these pistol packing, bike riding, turn-of-the-century women in bloomers and split skirt suits because their right to vote, you know, granted in the 19th Amendment, was still twenty-six years away when these women were practicing their Second Amendment rights.
4: Well, what I love about this is that it almost goes back to our episode about biking and that are all sort of connected to this idea of freedom where they can have free reign, men don't know what they're getting up to, where they're going, and it's like, yeah, I'm a woman that's got. To carry and stuff to do. Right. And someplace to be.
5: Yeah, and I've got pockets, and you don't need to get to know what's inside of them. Exactly. It really comes down to being a, a symbol of freedom and, and mobility. Isn't it funny, though, that like a pocket was considered so much more suspicious than a purse? What the hell?
4: I'm not a gun owner, but I would imagine you'd be a lot more likely to put a gun in a purse than or a pocket. A boot.
5: Yeah, a boot. Think about uh yeah. the West. You know, the women of the West. They all were packing pistols yeah. in their stockings. Sounds like our next episode. All I can think about right now are the women of Westworld. Oh, which we should, we should unpack that series. You Definitely, gotta, you got to watch that. Gotta, I haven't seen you it. You got to catch up on it. Yeah, is so it good? I'm obsessed. Okay, I got it. This is my next my next show. I'll binge. <laughs> okay, do it. I'll binge. So, again, you have
4: pockets playing out through all these different parts of history when it comes to women. Um Pockets were a big, big part of the suffragette movement. Um If you think about those white suffragette suits that our, that our sisters used to wear, a lot of times those had pockets. In 1910, the New York Times had a headline that said, plenty of pockets in the suffragette suit. And it really makes the point that pockets is connected to voting or being someone that's interested in voting. The article goes on to say it has pockets of plenty and it's exactly what you'd expect for a woman with polls on her mind.
5: I love it. And they go on to say that it's all within sight and the things in her pockets would be easy to find, even for the wearer. So I just think it's funny that what's radical about that is like someone is daring to wear pockets
4: in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Like what like what are they doing? Right. You don't know. You don't know. You don't, know, get you don't know, to know what she's up to. <laughs> so if you want to take a deep dive into the history of pockets, I definitely recommend this really long, thorough article on Racked. One of the points they made about pockets in the suffragettes is that there was a kind of anxiety around women that had pockets. They write, This last bit about visible, straightforward pockets hints at all the lingering anxiety over women's clothing, privacy, and property. It's not merely that women will strut with their hands in their pockets, on point to challenge men. It's that women's pockets could carry something secret, something private, something deadly. Ooh. Yeah. You never thought about pockets as being this mysterious. I mean, we it's just carry scary. chapstick in ours, but you
5: don't know what we got in there. <laughs> I know. It makes me feel like I need to get some more edgy pocket filler items. <laughs> like, maybe my chapstick is disappointing.
4: A little. When, when, when you think about that, some women were expressly using pockets to carry guns, your chapstick seems a little <laughs> bit wimpy, right? <laughs> Not
5: that we're saying, like... Go just, buy a gun. Go buy a gun. No, I'm Arm saying it. Go buy a gun. Box. No, I'm kidding. Lock and load in your pockets, ladies. Oh, God. Get ready, patriarchy. We should we should do an episode on women and gun control. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's oh, a whole other thing. That's a good one.
4: So I really think like, it's interesting how something as small as pockets actually has this really dense political and gendered history. But, you know, why do we even think about women's clothing versus men's clothing in the first place? Let's talk more about that after this quick break.
3: Start planning your trip at TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
4: And we're back talking about men's pockets versus women's pockets. But really, what's the big deal with gendered clothing anyway? Like, why do we have clothing that's this kind of way for men and this kind of way for women. That doesn't seem to be the way that gender plays out. And so it's interesting that that's the way that it plays out when it comes to clothing.
5: I mean, we've seen the rebellion on the toy aisle, right? We've seen how the pink Barbie aisle and the blue boys' toys aisle have become a thing of the past. And I love seeing that retailers are starting to question whether these strict binary sections for women's versus men's clothing really make sense anymore. And I would, I mean, I would argue that most of our listeners who identify as women shop in the women's department. And the question is, like, should there be a women's department? Well,
4: that's the thing. I mean, we know gender isn't a binary. So it seems like we should stop treating clothes like they're binary. I actually do wear a lot of men's clothing because my style icons are probably James Dean and Pugsley Adams from the Adams family. Sort of if <laughs> they had a kid and that kid wore a lot of black. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely am down with a little bit of... um you know, unisex clothing. But I think it's interesting how you see big retailers who can really be shaping how these industries think about gender and clothing. Saying no, we're gonna move
5: away from gendered things and have a more unisex vibe. Selfridges, a high-end department store in the UK, announced that it was getting rid of gendered floors and it would just have three floors of fashion merchandised together so that customers could shop according to their own self-expression. And other high-end designers like J.W. Anderson, Rick Owens, and Rad Hirani have championed gender-neutral clothing, and the approach is filtered down to the high street sort of HM and Zara, which have both created non-gendered ranges, which I think is really interesting because a androgynous style has always been a mainstay on the runway,
3: yeah,
4: right. I mean, you've even seen it more like on the runway these days, you've seen a lot of notable examples of
5: people just having, you know, more androgynous style, which I have
4: always thought was really cool, really cool.
5: And I really think that the hipster moment was a turning point. Oh, for sure. Because hipster fashion, as cliche as it has become, that sort of Brooklyn, beanie-wearing, hip look, looks very identical when expressed by someone who identifies as a man versus a woman. And there was sort of this weird backlash, I think, when hipster style became more mainstream, which was that you've stolen the look of lesbians or that you've stolen this look from like the gay movement. yeah. And well, I, I wonder if like the mainstreaming of gender neutral dress is a co-opting. Oh, that's fascinating. Of like LGBT style, or is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Or is I it mean, just a thing that's happening? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I will say that when
4: so I came of age in like the scenester hipster time. If you remember that time, it was the alti aughts. So we were all dressing kind of weird, <laughs> low slung jeans. But I remember when skinny jeans became a thing. My then-boyfriend was wearing my jeans. We were just, like, staring... We were just, like, wearing each other's jeans and clothes all the time,
5: which I loved. Yeah, Brad and I still do that sometimes. Yeah, I
4: actually lent a guy a pair of jeans. I don't think I ever got those back. Well, I really hope that this push toward unisex and gender-neutral clothing will get us the pocket equality we all know we all deserve. Yes,
5: because pockets are functional as they are fashionable. The idea of adding pockets to something for the look without the functionality makes me want to tear my hair out. So I would rather see retailers just eschewing... Pockets all together than adding a stupid decorative pocket just to create frustration and disappointment. In Bridget Todd specifically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Save you the trouble and save us all the trouble. Because we all know, you know, when you
4: try on a dress and it has really good, deep, functional pockets, it is the best. I love how Tracy Moore put it over at Jezbel. And trust me, this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but I don't believe it is because this is how much I appreciate good pockets. Humor me. I want you to remember the last time you bought a piece of clothing with pockets real ones, usable ones, ones that fit things, like the standard night out keys, phone ID, lip gloss compact. It's a rare thing, no? Maybe an A-line dress or skirt, something vintage with a full-bodied lower half. And the moment you discovered that not only was the fabric perfect, the fit amazing, but there were actual functioning pockets? Let me ask you, was it not the greatest moment of your life? Did it not add a skip to your step? Were you not astonished each time you reached down and slid your hands into the outrageously useful fabric compartment? When women complimented you on the outfit, did you not reveal to them with exclamatory glee that it also possessed something unexpected and lovely? And was that thing not pockets?
5: I think that is so true because you're on the dance floor and someone's like, nice dress. And you're like, no, you don't understand. This is... It- this thing has pockets it has You're pockets. You're like check it out like you don't even know how great this romper is girl. let me show you okay pockets full-on pockets. It like, makes you want to empty them out Yes and like turn them like, inside out. Look at
4: all the oh, I got in this whoo- pocket
5: <laughs> <laughs> I've many
4: I've had many a drunken night in a ladies' room at a nightclub where I'm like girl. check out these oh you think this is a nice dress? Check this shit out. Yeah.
5: It's like, it's like you're, it's
4: like the base drop
5: on an I outfit. Know.
4: And they're always like, they always get oh it. Women, o- when it comes to pockets, women always get it.
5: And then it becomes, where did you get this? Yes. I need this in my life. Yes. Yeah, it's so true. I love pockets it. Bonding over pockets. Well, Sminty listeners, I hope that we just bonded over pockets. I know you and I just bonded over pockets, but oh, yeah. I want to hear from you. What has this experience been like in your own time? What do you think about the rise of, non-gender binary clothing being available. Do you have any feels when you put on the pants of your loved ones and it fits or doesn't fit? Or what is that experience like for you? Do you wish you had more pockets all the time? Have pockets revolutionized your life? Tell us.
4: You can reach us on Instagram and tag us in all those pocket pictures at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Tweet at us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast and send us a good old-fashioned email at MomStuff at dot com. <laughs>